Good morning. Right foot. This morning, because without the Holy Spirit's help, we can't do anything. If I don't rely on God's strength, then my purpose for speaking doesn't have much meaning. So please bow with me so we can take part in what God's going to do today. Heavenly Father, we stand with arms high and hearts abandoned in awe of the one who made it all. Let that be our slogan. Let that be our purpose in life. Where we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. Because that's true worship. Worship is not about singing. It's not about lights. It's not about specials. It's about serving you. Holding our hands high in total surrender because our lives are yours. Because you're the master of our life. You're the Lord of our life. We want to be hungry for you. We want to be obsessed with you. Where this crazy love for you overflows in every aspect of our life. Where people can see that that we love God and we don't love the world. But we love the people in the world. And we love the people in the world because we have such an overflow from our obsession for you. You're a mighty and awesome God. If I have any intentions today that go online with something that would oppose what you would want me to do with my message, I pray that you convict me. And I pray that you convict my heart so much that all I want to do is, is just preach your word and preach what you want me to preach and let it be your words and not my words, Father. We stand in all of your presence. I'm just humbled by this opportunity to, to deliver your word. It's amazing how you can use somebody, even like me, a goofball like me, just to do amazing things because of your strength and your power. We love you and, uh, and we praise you. Amen. Our topic today is love God, not the world. You see, when we get in this life of worship, and our series is, is called Get Real. Well, we're talking about getting real with this life of worship, with this life of total surrender with this life of saying, God, everything I have is yours, because it's yours to begin with, and it's just loan to me. And let me use everything that you've given me for your kingdom. But the more we surrender to God, the more Satan's working a lot harder to tug us away from God's desires. See, worship is surrender, but worship is also war. There's this inner battle going on inside of you. There's this tug of war between the flesh and the spirit. There's this tug of war between good and evil. There's this tug of war between God's desires and the world's desires. And you have to be equipped to fight this battle every day. Famous uh, ancient Chinese warrior Sun Tzu had a famous quote that said, for if you know your enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. 1 John 2.15-17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, 
Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. In this battle of loving God and not the world, in this battle of fighting the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, do you know your enemy? And do you know yourself? Because if you know your enemy and you know yourself, you're going to be able to fight this battle. And you're going to be able to fight this war where there's a tug of war between the desires of the world and the desires of God. So our, our first step is to find out a lot, a lot about our enemy. Find out as much as we can know about our enemy. Do we really know our enemy? John 8.44 says, When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a glowing lion, looking for someone to devour So if we want to see how the Father lies and spreading lies, if we want to see how the enemy is stealing, killing, and destroying, if we want to see how Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion, we have to know the world around us. We have to know how the enemy is spreading lies and how he's stealing and killing and destroying. And how he's prowling around like a roaring lion. John 17, verses 15 through 17 says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. See, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and he's hours away from being handed over to be arrested. And he has this prayer that his followers would be in the world and not of the world. We have to learn how to be in the world, but not of the world. Because if we're going to be aware of how our enemies prowl around like a roaring lion, if we're going to be aware of how the father lies and spreading lies, if we're going to be aware of how the enemies come to seek and to kill and to steal and destroy, we have to be in the world and not of the world. We have to be aware of the world around us. We have to know what's going on in the news. We have to know about the hurting people around us. We have to be aware of the media. We can't just stay comfortable and stagnant. We can't just be sheltered. We can't just watch Veggie Tales and the 700 Club. Those are great shows, but if that's all you're watching, you're not aware of the world around you. Remember, God so loved the world? Remember, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world? If God had this kind of care for the world, if Jesus had this kind of care for the world, shouldn't we have this kind of care for the world? Where we're in the world and not of the world? Where we're aware of the world around us? What's the famous missionary verse? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. What's that first word? Go! 
It's a little hard to go if you're staying, right? You see, some people, they think being in the world is just being right where they are and being huddled up and not being involved with the world, period, in any way, shape, or form. But I can't see how you can see that the cross has any significance. I can't see how you see that grace has any significance when there's such a dying world out there that doesn't know anything about Jesus and people are just stagnant. If people aren't being in the world, they're not getting in conversations with people. They're not aware of the news. They're not getting in touch with the hurting people around them. They're not finding how the enemy is destroying people and devouring people. Stealing and, and killing people spiritually and physically. I visited a Bible college when I was a senior. This school wanted to recruit me to, to play baseball. It was a couple hours from my house, and, and baseball is a really big priority for me. So everything else about college just sort of took a back seat. And th this school had a really good baseball program. And uh, we went to visit. I'm not going to name the denomination of the college, but my mom had to wear a skirt down her ankles. I had to wear a shirt and, and tie. My mom didn't even have a skirt down her ankles. She's like, I have to go make a special trip because I don't even have this. So we're going to visit this school, and we're walking around. And we get in the student lounge, and the kids are watching a, a football game. And there's a kid just sitting right next to the remote. And he's been sitting there for like an hour, not doing anything, and holding on to this remote. My mom's like, why is that guy holding on to this remote? Oh, that's so we can flip it to CNN when a commercial comes on during a football game. My mom's like, are you serious? And then my mom goes on to ask, you know, the person that's giving us a tour, you guys have any cool concerts that go on around here? Yeah, we have a great symphony orchestra that comes a couple times a year. We have a great wind ensemble that comes a couple times a year. My mom's like, that's not really what I'm, what I'm asking about. Then we read some more literature about the college, and, and it all comes clear because they say that you can't listen to any contemporary Christian music. And these were the examples. Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, Stephen Curtis Chapman, because there are elements of the world in this music. And the kids might be defiled by the elements of the world in Christian music. You see, if you're not having any involvement with the world, how are you aware of the world? This school did not have any involvement with the world. I believe there's times where you need to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not arguing that. There's times where you do not need to be in touch with the world in a lot of different areas. But you need a happy balance. I don't want you to watch Jersey Shore, but it might be nice to know what Jersey Shore is. You don't have to listen to every top song on the Billboard chart, but it might be helpful to know what every song is on the Billboard chart. I was one of those sheltered Christian kids when I was about eight or nine. All the other kids, this is going to give the air a little bit, but all the other kids had like Coolio cassette tapes. This is when cassettes were still around a little bit. You know, they were listening to LL Cool J, and all I had was Michael W. Smith and DC Talk, and that was about it. And those are great musicians, but I could not get any conversations with any of the kids on the block. You know, and I wasn't aware of any TV shows that were going on. The only TV show I knew was 700 Club, which is a good show, may I add, but when the only show you know is that. It's a little hard to talk to people. It's a little hard to get in conversations with people. There's a reason why Paul was all things to all men. 
So he could get in conversations with people. So he could relate to people. So he could be in the world and not of the world. So he could be aware of how Satan was attacking the world around him. So he had more appreciation for the cross. So he had more appreciation for the blood of Jesus. So he had more appreciation for grace. We all need a grace at one time or another. We all weren't born in Bethlehem in a manger. Amazing grace, how sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me. Do you ever remember being that wretch that needed some salvation? Remember how good it felt? Do you remember when somebody reached out to you? How good that felt? But we're not in the world and we're not you know, being aware of, of what's going on, we don't have this sympathy for people and the hurt of the world. And we just stay comfortable in our own little holy huddle. First of all, do we know that we're fearfully and wonderfully made? Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do we realize that we're made in the image of God? Do we realize that we're God's most treasured possession? That if God were going to show off his creation, he'd show off us? If you ever watch movies and you see a, a Bigfoot creature, they'll leave a huge footprint, right? And people will know that a Bigfoot was there in the forest if there's a huge footprint. We're that footprint from God. When God wants to show off his creation, he says, hey, look at these humans right here. This will show that I was here, that my footprint was here. This is my signature on my painting. This is the seal on my packaging because you're in my most treasured possession. And once we realize that we're made in the image of God, we start to realize our purpose. Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny, myself, deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So once you know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, you know your purpose. And your purpose is to take up an object of torture and follow Jesus. Sounds like a great sales pitch, right? You know, you hear stories in the Bible about people wanting to follow Jesus. Well, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to, to lay his head. You want to be homeless? You know? Uh, well, my father's dying. Well, let the dead bury their own dead. Yeah, I've got to leave my family, and I've got to leave, leave a situation that's really touching. Are we ready to measure the cost? Once we know who we are in God, once we know who we are in Christ, because we, once we realize who we are, and once we realize what our purpose is, the question isn't, who am I? The question is, who is he? And once we figure out who he is, we can ask, who am I because of who he is? Once we figure out who we are because of who he is, we can start examining ourselves and examining our strengths and weaknesses. And we can see how we're strong against enemy and how we're weak against the enemy. How is the pride of life and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes getting to me? 
Some of the best coaches in sports will watch game film week in and week out. And when they examine their strengths and they examine their weaknesses, they can go back to the drawing board and figure out what they need to work on. Do we have game film of our lives? Do we watch game film of our enemy? Because when we're in the world and not of the world, we need to watch some game film of our enemy. See how our enemy is attacking people. We have to see how the enemy is attacking ourselves. And here's the big challenge. Game day is every day for us. You know, some coaches have game day once a week, but game day is every day for us. So we need to constantly be watching game film, examining our strengths and weaknesses. How is it Satan attacking the lust of the flesh? What is getting in the way between you and God that makes you feel good temporarily? That replaces that peace that transcends all understanding? What are you looking at with your eyes that's causing you to fall into sin? What in life really brings out your pride? What really kills your humility? You need to examine those things in your life so Satan doesn't have a foothold. So Satan can't attack you. So Satan can't prowl around and devour you. So Satan can't speak lies into your life. A lot of times when you go on job interviews, people always ask for your strengths and weaknesses. And you're always in this battle. It's like, should I use this strength or should I use this weakness? Well, what if I have more strengths than weaknesses? What if I have more weaknesses than strengths? So you're always analyzing the situation in your head. And there's a lot of experts that say, well, talk about weaknesses that can be turned into strengths. Talk about weaknesses that can be justified to be turned into strengths. I think we do this with our sinful lives, with our weaknesses. You know, we look at our weaknesses and we try to justify them. Make them look like they're not weaknesses. You know, well, I struggle with this, but that's because this happened. Or this is because this is happening in my life. And we always make excuses for our weaknesses. But what does the Bible say? Godly sorrow leads to what? Does anybody know? Repentance. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. When we look at our weaknesses... And we don't try to justify our weaknesses. We have that godly sorrow. That godly sorrow that brings us to a point where we're on our knees. We're like, we need you, God. I messed up. I'm not making any more excuses. Your grace is sufficient for me. Your power is made perfect in my weakness. Fill me up. Help me to get on with my life. I need your forgiveness. We don't realize... That everything that we have, even our body itself, is God's. Our eyes are God's eyes. Our hands are God's hands. Our body is God's body. Remember that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Remember that our body was bought at a price? So when you're looking at things that you shouldn't, when you're indulging in the lust of the eyes, you're doing that with the eyes of God. Brings it in a totally different perspective. When you're doing something with your hands that you shouldn't be doing, you're doing that with the hands of God. When you're doing anything with your body that you shouldn't be doing, 
you're doing that with the body of God. And our body was bought a price that we could never cover. How many of you guys have ever lent out a car to somebody and you just had liability insurance and you find out they just trashed the thing and you just want to strangle them? Now think of that type of scenario on a totally deeper level. Think of what Jesus Christ paid. Think of what Jesus Christ is lending you. And think about how we trash our hands, our eyes, our bodies. Don't you think that breaks God's heart? And the more we indulge in using our eyes and our hands and our bodies for things that we're not supposed to be using them for, we get so far away from godly sorrow. We don't watch our game film. We try to justify our weaknesses. We're not as aware of our strengths and weaknesses anymore. So my question is, do you know yourself? Do you know how the enemy is attacking you? Do you put your pride aside and realize that Satan is attacking you in certain areas? And there's certain areas where you need help. There's certain areas where you need accountability. There's certain areas where you need the help of God's word. And you need the humility to have godly sorrow that leads to repentance. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ has already won the battle with the world. The blood of Jesus won the battle against the world and the desires of the world. The question is, are you going to win your battle against the world and the desires of the world? Where there's a tug of war between the flesh and the spirit, between good and evil, between the desires of God and the desires of the world. We have to live this life of worship where we're getting real with our worship. Where we're winning the tug of war between the flesh and the spirit and God's desires and the world's desires. Where we love God instead of loving the world. Because the Bible says we can't serve two masters. You're either going to love one or you're going to hate the other. Chris Tomlin has this awesome song called White Flag. Some of you guys have heard it. And it really paints a picture of how we need to surrender because of this battle that Jesus Christ has won on the cross to overcome the world. I'm just going to read the chorus for you guys. We raise our white flags. We surrender all to you, all for you. We raise our white flag. The war is over. Love has come. Your love has won. In this war against the flesh and the spirit, do we raise our white flag? Letting the world know, hey, I'm washed white as snow because of the blood of Jesus. The veil is torn. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Death has no toll on us anymore. We're going to give our lives in total surrender to Jesus. Where we love God and we don't love the world. Because we know our enemy. And we know ourselves. And we can fight this war more effectively because we know our enemy and we know ourselves. And we're being in the world and we're being aware of how Satan is attacking the world. And we're reaching people around us because we know how Satan is hurting people. 
Because we know the significance of the cross. And we know the significance of the grace of Jesus. So I want to challenge you, as we're in this war between loving God and loving the world, know your enemy and know yourself. And when you know your enemy and you know yourself, you can raise up that white flag in total surrender. Because the war is over. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. And because of that hope, we should be able to fight to win that war against the world that we have every day. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, it's awesome to be in your presence. It's awesome to have this chance to have a personal relationship with you where the veil is torn, where we can raise our white flag in holy surrender. Because your blood is washed as white as snow. Help us not to take that for granted. Father, help us to, to be aware of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that's going on in our lives. Help us to be humble about that situation. Help us to realize where we need work. Help us to do game film on ourselves. Help us to go back to the drawing board when we don't realize, because of our pride, because of our arrogance, where we need help. Help us get the accountability we need. Help, help us to be in your, in your word. Help us to be in prayer, Father. Because we can't live this life on, on our own. We can't fight this battle on our own. We need hunger for you. We need obsession with you, Father. Help us to be that living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God. We stand in awe of your presence, in your mighty and precious name. Amen.